Hello, and welcome back to the Athletics Baseball Podcast with your host, Taylor. And today we are going to be talking about the two big free agent signings that the A's had in this offseason. Um, started to get talked about just about a week or two ago, and we finally saw the official announcement yesterday, I believe, December 13th. Those two players are Aledmus Diaz Diaz from uh, the Houston Astros and Jace Peterson, who last year was on the Milwaukee Brewers. I'll start with Aledmus Diaz, who played with the Houston Astros in 2022, like I said, but we don't need to worry. Uh, I'm totally fine with that because... He was not on the 2017 Houston Astros. He did not join the Houston Astros until 2019. So he had nothing to do with the 2017 sign-stealing scandal. And uh, I still have a bone to pick with a few Astros players because of that. Uh, But I'm I'm sure many of you do as well. But we don't need to worry about that with Aledmus Diaz. We don't need to have any sort of uh, regret or ill will or anything about this. Um, Not in that way. And as far as, you know, a little bit of background for Aledmus Diaz, he is a righty. He bats right. He throws right. Um, He's going into his 32nd year, his his age 32 season, and... He last season slashed a 243 batting average, 287 on base, 403 slugging for a 691 OPS and a 95 OPS plus. That's not bad. I I think that uh, the numbers, as I remember them, that's pretty close to league average for for all of those stats. Maybe just a maybe just a tick underneath. And uh, with how the A's played last year, league average in any of these stats, you know, league average defensively, offensively is for most of the positions that we have, you know, uh, it's an improvement. Um, The great thing about Aledmus Diaz for our roster for this year is his versatility. Let me actually mention briefly uh, the contract that we signed him for is a $14.5 million two-year contract, so we have him for 2023 and 2024. I think it's $6.5 million for 2023 and $8 million for 2024, with a couple of incentives based off of plate appearances. He'll probably earn a couple of those. It's scaling um, $125,000 for... 200 plate appearances, another 125,000 if he gets to 300, a third 125,000 for 400, and a fourth for 500 500 plate appearances. And I think that he will get some of these. I don't think he will get all of them. I don't think it matters if he does or doesn't. You know, um, we've saved enough money to be able to afford a couple hundred thousand dollars on a player, I think, at this point. Um, everybody except for 
Aledmus Diaz, Jace Peterson, and Manny Pena, who I'll talk about in another podcast, has is going to be making major league minimum, I believe. So salary-wise, we're doing just fine, if not coming in so far under the budget, under the budget that you'd want a team to have that some of the other major league owners might start to have problems with John Fisher at some point because he is getting their money. Um, They are basically paying him in team money sharing, uh, small market payouts and, and things like that, that I don't know how happy the other owners are about that, but that's a speculation. So let's let's go on and talk about Aledmus Diaz. I told you his slash line for last year. Uh, most of what's really interesting about him is actually in splits and more advanced statistics and things that I think that baseball is going to be a little bit different this coming season. There, there's not going to be a shift. The shift has been effectively banned. Uh, you basically have to keep your first and second baseman on the right side of the field and your shortstop and third baseman on the left side. And that's going to change team strategies and it might make some players more effective than in the past and others less effective and that's to some extent we just have to see how that plays out but with Aledmus Diaz he was hitting lefties in 2022 so the A's a lot of A's players last year were not hitting lefties he had a 267 batting average against lefties compared to only a 233 against right-handers and I think that you combine his defensive versatility where he can play basically every position except for pitcher and catcher and maybe center field. Maybe not. Maybe you don't want him in center field. But, you know, he started out as sort of a shortstop comparison-wise. I would I would probably compare him defensively to Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, except his bat's better. And uh, Kiner Falefa is a starting shortstop in Major League Baseball. And maybe Aledmus Diaz will be a starting shortstop for the A's. I think that he may be used in a little bit more of a... He may get a majority of his starts as a shortstop, but he, he may get used a little bit more as a... Uh, utility guy sort of bouncing around the diamond and um, kind of platooning and playing more so on on days that he's playing against lefties. And maybe not. Maybe he won't be a platoon guy. Maybe both him and Jace Peterson will be everyday lefty and righty sort of players because both of their batting averages against lefties and righties were better than the A's collective team batting averages were in 2022 against either lefties or righties. But maybe they will platoon. We'll just have to see. 
And when, when he's playing against lefties, his strikeout rate is lower, 14% against lefties compared to 17% against right-handers. His walk rate is higher. He walks at a 9% rate against lefties versus a 4% against righties, at least in 2022. And his home run rate is pretty similar. Um, he had more grounding grounding to double plays against right-handed pitchers, and that could be because he, I, I believe he had a little bit of softer contact against right-handed pitchers. Um, and just sort of, I, I didn't watch a lot of games that he played. I don't remember how he played, but um, that that could maybe lead into those sorts of things. Um, one really interesting thing about him is his high leverage, his clutch play, basically. In high leverage situations last year, he hit at a 419 batting average. Um, in low and medium leverage situations, according to some advanced metrics, you know, he was only hitting at a 228 and a 216 batting average. So almost twice as good when the pressure is on. You know, maybe a guy that you always turn to off the bench, you know, especially against lefties. Um, maybe a a guy who you, you can keep in your back pocket, you know. In, in the high leverage, he also hit home runs almost twice as often as the low and medium leverage situations, you know, the, the more clutch, basically, the more contact he's making, the harder he's hitting, and I found that really interesting. His OPS is 100 points higher against lefties as well. One thing to note also is with, with the shift change that I had mentioned earlier, he sort of pulls the ball, he likes to pull the ball when he hits. Um, As a righty, that of course means hitting to left field, and he hits mostly to left and center field and just a little bit to right field, and when he does hit to left and center field, his batting average, his his slugging, everything is is way higher. Way higher. And, um, you know, with the shift changing... When, when you have a guy with when you have the shift and a guy is coming in and you know that his statistics are are just way better when he hits to a certain part of the field than what we've been seeing the last couple of years teams just pile everybody onto that half of the field and sort of throttle the production that these guys with a lopsided batting profile are are able to produce you know you just can't produce as much with double the defenders in the area that you're trying to hit it. And with the shift change, maybe this is something that the A's were looking at as well, where they saw some of these numbers and said, you know, he's going to have twice as much field to hit into uh, with with his batting profile here. And I also think that uh, from some of the stuff that I that I saw on some of the advanced metrics, I think that teams were actually pitching to him differently as well. When 
the shift was on versus when the shift was not on. I think that the pitchers were were actually throwing, trying to get him to make soft contact and bad contact um, when that shift was was on. They were throwing him a lot more balls, uh, noticeably a lot more balls, and less strikes when the shift was on compared to when the shift was off, where it looked like they maybe more were just straight up trying to strike him out. Um, so, really... With with Aledmus Diaz, almost anything could happen next year. His production, you know, could shoot up in, in a couple of different ways and for a couple of different reasons. And the last thing that is, you know, I've, I've touched on it with the versatility, but it applies to both Aledmus Diaz and Jace Peterson. The goal of the A's in 2023, maybe 2024, we don't, we don't know how that's going to shake out yet, but find who the guys of the future are and that means giving a lot of different guys in a lot of different positions time to prove themselves time to actually get used to some major league pitching and and having to defend against major league hits that is something that most other teams do not have. They don't have the ability to give a bunch of guys playing time, and the A's have that in spades, and that is a great thing as far as, you know, well, first of all, for these players, for these young players to get a shot, and second of all, it's a great opportunity for the A's to actually find some some talent that is probably being overlooked by a lot of other teams, and 2020 also kind of messed with a lot of minor leaguers. They missed a whole year of, of games, and it screwed up a lot of people's progress. So there's a ton of guys that we have that are in the minors that are hungry, and a, getting a player like Aledmus Diaz or Jace Peterson, both of whom can play uh, basically any fielding position, and be at least league average as a defender in these positions as well. Um, it's it's great because one day you can give a third baseman a try, and the next day you can give a second baseman a try, and it just it lets you keep a solid defense and have a good product on the field, uh, a decent product at least, while giving all these guys a shot in the majors and uh but at the same time you you also get some guys with some major league service time who can bring a little bit of that veteran perspective and and help to provide a good a good role model a good working example for some of the younger guys and maybe it maybe it makes the team cohesion a little bit better in the future as well for for this next year or two and and Eventually, some of the younger guys will probably take on some of those leadership roles as well. But for now, we need to get some of these players. With the loss of of great leaders like Chad Pinder and Stephen Vogt, there's a lot of holes to fill, and it's not always just how well does this guy hit. You know, there's there's clubhouse and locker room uh 
dynamics that we need to foster as well to have a successful team in the future. And one more thing about Oledmus Diaz, uh, which kind of just hammers home that he really is showing last year, statistics-wise, that he is that clutch hitter. He actually bats significantly better with people on base, 280 versus 213 when nobody's on base. So you don't want him leading off, but you do... Every team needs a, a clutch guy, right? So that's that's uh, something that could be very good for the A's if we use it right. Moving on to Jace Peterson. Now, I'm he's in a lot of ways defensively he's he's very similar to Aledmus Diaz, and I'm just going to say it again, very versatile. They both are. And something else that that gives to the team when they're trying to set up this roster for next year, they they probably started talking to these players and figuring out who they had to pick up in free agency before they were all snapped up by other teams. Basically with the thinking that they don't know who they're going to get in the Murphy trade at this point yet when when they're shopping around for new players. They don't know what positions these guys are going to play, and they don't know which positions we're going to get to stick out of our minor league guys yet either. Having guys that can play all over the field really make it a lot easier when you're trying to figure out who is going to start in each defensive position. So, Jace Peterson, super versatile, just like Aledmus Diaz. Offensively, and just, uh, he came from the Brewers. All right, Uh, he played with the Brewers last year and, and the couple of years before. He was on Baltimore before that, and he's he's been around for a little while as well. Um, this will be his age 33 season, and batting, he is similar in where he ends up with Aledmus Diaz. His OPS uh, last season was 698, but how he gets there is a little bit different. His batting average is a little bit lower. Last season, he was batting 236. Aledmus Diaz was 243. Uh, his slugging is a little bit lower. Last season at 382, and Diaz was at 403. But Jace Peterson got on base at 316 versus Diaz's 287. And that's actually what uh, what some fans from the Brewers, I believe, uh, refer to him as, or the reason why they refer to him as this on-base Jace. That is what he is known as. That is his nickname, and what do we love as A's fans? <laughs> you know, I'm assuming everybody's seen Moneyball, you know, we gotta get on-base. And when I was digging through some of his statistics, the most interesting thing was not his on-base it was actually something that you'd really never see as a, st- as a statistic. And 
I like it. It it is to me just a really fun statistic and I I just love to watch this in action and if I could have a team of all guys with with an elite level in in this particular statistic I would and that statistic you would never guess it never guess it number of pitches that they see per plate appearance pitches per plate appearance and Jace Peterson is basically elite when it comes to pitches seen per plate appearance especially uh, after his first couple of seasons, you know, later on in, in his career, he is seeing so many pitches. He last season averaged 4.329, like a 4.33 pitches per plate appearance. And just to put that into perspective, just to put it into perspective, Mark Canna, who I think is probably the guy recently that would pop to mind when we think an A's player who sees a lot of pitches. And last year on the Mets, he saw 4.09 pitches per plate appearance. The previous season with the A's, 4.23 pitches per plate appearance. And the year before that, 2020, the short year, 4.37 pitches per plate appearance. So we've got a guy who is seeing about as many pitches per per plate appearance as Mark Canna, maybe even a hair more. And that, I love it. You know, that, that to me is such an underrated skill. And the more pitches that you see as a batter, you give your teammates looks at seeing how that pitcher is throwing. You get to see yourself how that pitcher is throwing and you got the best seat in the house, right? You know, right on the plate. And that will probably give you a little bit better of a chance as the batter to make some good contact and to figure out what he likes to throw and where he likes to throw and what his timing is. And more, way more than that, it, it wears out that pitcher's arm the catcher probably at some point starts to, you know, you get really deep, you get like 10 pitches into an at-bat, and the catcher starts to go, you know, what pitches can we throw at this guy? Because he's seen them all. He's seen all we have. You know, the the pitcher starts to get worried. Um, it, am I going to be able to get this guy out, and am I going to be able to stay in the game, even if I do, if he's a reliever? You know, he he might have already thrown 15 pitches, and then you've got a guy up there that is just grinding, contact, contact, fouling the ball off, and those are some of the best at-bats to watch, so I think that he could be a really exciting player as well this year just because of that. I mean, his his overall uh, slash line and his expected performance next year as well fairly league average, right? Which is not a bad thing. That's an upgrade over last year at any position, just like Diaz, right? However, these are going to be some really fun at-bats that he has. And it's go- it's going to be fun for the team as well. You know, it might get some guys to really get their energy up. And like I said, seeing these pitchers throw more might 
give some of our other batters more of a more of a idea how to attack these pitchers. And Jace, let's let's talk about some of his other stuff, some of the uh, more of the advanced metrics and things. He was also really good against lefties in a smaller sample size, you know, um, only 27 games, and it looked like he was mostly coming off the bench in in these lefty at-bats, but batting average was 281 against lefties versus 230 for righties, and Jace Peterson is a lefty batter. He throws right, he bats left, and another sort of thing here that maybe doesn't sound great, but it can be worked with, I think. He is not clutch in the way that Diaz is. He is a lot better with low leverage. Low leverage, he's batting 248, medium 228, high leverage 192, and maybe he's not the guy that you want off the bench, but maybe you can sub in Diaz for Peterson in a high leverage situation and have essentially a similar level of defense on the field at the end of it and a uh, a, a similar bat as well in just standard situations you know there there are some some interesting ways that you can sort of manipulate a roster like this where you have a lot of guys who can play a lot of positions and have different skill sets at bat here. And maybe something like that just means you make him a leadoff guy. Who knows? And Chase Peterson's contract as well, it's it's a little bit less than Aledmus Diaz. Nine point five million over two years, four and a half million in twenty twenty three. 5 million over 2024. I don't think he has any um sort of strange incentives or any anything like that and I think that this is money that the A's can afford to spend. I think that both of these moves will be big upgrades because we're basically swapping out the two worst positions that we had anywhere at any point in time last year with these guys who are going to be league average but maybe will actually outperform that league average expectation based off of their unique skill sets and their versatility and that's that's sort of why I'm relatively high on on both of these guys going into next year and and I think that they not only improve the quality of the A's in 2023, but also the fun of the A's, the watchability, the enjoyability, and I think that I don't want to get into too crazy of predictions here, but not only are the A's going to be fun, their record is going to be much better than last year, and no, I don't think that they're going to be making a wild card run unless many of our prospects turn out to be uh, rookie of the year candidates here, but I think that we could have a much, much better and more fun and more watchable season on our hands in 2023 
than we did in 2022. And that might look like a mid-70s win team. And I'll take it. Well, that's all I've got to talk about with you today for uh, Aledmus Diaz, Jace Peterson, and the A's of 2023. But we've got a lot more to talk about, and I will hopefully be releasing my next episode, um, recording it on Sunday night and releasing it for you on Monday. So have a good week, have a good weekend, and don't forget to follow this podcast on whatever podcast service you prefer to use. You can also find the new Instagram account that we opened up, also Athletics Baseball Podcast, where will be, uh, I think when the, when the season starts, we might be posting uh, lineups. We'll be uh, linking the new podcast releases every time if we can keep up with it. And at some point, we'll probably be trying to get a Twitter out. That's all we have for today. So thanks for listening to the podcast. See you next time.